0: What I say is that it, you know, sex is God's wedding gift to a husband and wife, and you know, I guess my mission is that I'm trying to help couples create sex-ordinary marriages, and that's 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 a step up from what most couples have. You might have a decent marriage, but a lot of couples don't have the sexual dimension down, and that's I think that's uh, that's sad, and I don't think it's what God intended. So we're I'm just trying to help people create what I think God intended for our sexual relationships.
1: Hey y'all, before you get started into this episode, I want to let you know that it is an episode with a certified sex therapist. So we're going to talk about sex and all the sexy things of sexness, of sexity. Uh, We're going to talk about all of that stuff. So if you are one that is not comfortable hearing two adults talk about that stuff, well, uh, this episode is not going to be for you. However, If that is something that you would be intrigued to listen to and maybe you got some little ears around, I would encourage you to please uh, click pause. Go back, check out another old episode that you haven't listened to or re-listen to one of the great ones that we've done in the past. There are, after all, 436 previous episodes you could check out and come back to this one at a different time. I also will remind you that there is a Patreon subscription that is available for you. Soon, we'll have an annual membership available that you can do. Uh, where you can save a little money and you can be a Patreon subscriber all year long. And that will help pay for things like hydroxychloroquine, because guess what? I got tested positive for coronavirus. We'll talk more about it in a future episode, because it's super fun and super new. I just barely found out. Hey, this is the uh, healthcare folks, and you tested positive. Great. Awesome. Did I guilt you into becoming a Patreon subscriber? Okay, I'll take that. If I didn't, all right, fine. I don't know why you hate me, even though I might die. Is that being dramatic? That's about what's going on in my head right now. All right, so there. There's a little bit of a, like, insight truth bomb thing. Let's let's talk about sex with Laura Brotherson.
2: Jesus
1: It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. We're sitting down with Laura M. Brotherson. You know that she's a member of the church because she uses the middle initial as part of the introduction of her name. We'll find out what that means. And then we'll also find out what all of these stinking letters. You have 11 letters that follow your name, Laura. I feel like you're just (laughs) bragging, but welcome to the Cultural Hall.
0: That's awesome. It's wonderful to be here.
1: Uh, Let's start maybe with the M. The M in M. Brotherson is what? (laughs)
0: Oh, that's so funny! It's just my maiden name, Mason. Okay, I'm, I don't consider myself a big feminist, so but I really did like my maiden names too. So I was like, okay, well, let's just do Laura M. Brotherson, and it just feels a little more official for my professional branding, I guess.
1: What What was the uh, middle name before Mason became the middle name?
0: Laura Lee Mason. Okay,
1: good solid. Then, you know, we're not going out on a fringe with Lee. That's no, just nice. No. good, good for your parents. It smelled
0: uh, it spelled weird oh okay l e i g h okay so.
1: okay so there is it some mormon influence
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, now let's get into the lmFt c s t c f l e i'm I'm tired just saying your title
0: it's so funny that you even bring that up Pritchy, because I actually wrote my first book before I had any of those initials uh-huh of course, I went to get all of those initials because I was like, oh, I should probably have a little bit more of the credential and the credibility behind it. But yeah, the the first one is the licensed marriage and family therapist, which I love being a marriage marriage counselor. Love that. The second one is certified sex therapist, which is huge. It's kind of like getting a second master's degree. Mm. The third one is actually the one I got first, which is certified family life educator. Okay. And that's just, I usually just kind of go by the first two, so I didn't know that you even have the third one.
1: <laughs> yeah, No. listen, bring it, are we going to add a DR to this? Are we adding, it? are we done with letter additions?
0: Yeah, if there's a possibility I'd go back and get my PhD. I, I'm not sure, I've written three and a half books right now, and that's like getting three and a half PhDs, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure that I really want to do a lot more work.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know, you have half a degree or half of a book at this point, so I maybe... Do. Let's uh let's uh let's wind back the clock a little bit. Where are you from? Uh you are a member of the church that is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Have you always yeah. been? Let's get let's get some of the early yeah. early Laura stuff.
0: Yeah, always been. I'm I'm all I'm an all-in member full full-blooded all the way through. So I'm definitely a very um devout member of the church and and so thrilled to be and proud of that. Um but I I came. I guess I came from Canada originally, but I'm from Provo, Utah, right now. My mm-hmm. husband and I live here. We've only lived here two years. We mm-hmm. lived in Boise, Idaho, for most of our kind of married life, and Seattle before that. So,
1: what uh, what's driving you guys all over those towns? Because Boise's nothing like Provo, which is nothing <laughs> like Seattle. So, there's got to be something.
0: Actually, Boise is a lot more like Provo than you would think. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a really good, great place to raise kids and. And a lot of great influence there. So that's kind of why we went to Seattle first. I was originally from Tacoma and my husband took his first uh, job as a software engineer in Seattle. So that's kind of why we ended up there. Probably a combination of both of those.
1: So originally from Canada, meeting you were born there or is like the born roots? There. Okay.
0: Yep. Born there. Born there. Grew up in Cartston. Okay. Eighth grade. So, oh, so you,
1: so you go back then Let, let's trace the lineage back a little bit. This portion brought to you by ancestry.com or, you know, family search. How how far, how far back are we going In the, you, as far as the church goes?
0: Oh, um, let's see. Um, I think all the way. Yeah. All the way back. Like Peter, I, James
1: I, and John. Is that what you mean? Or like Joseph <laughs> Smith. Okay. Joseph Smith. Got it.
0: <laughs> I guess my, I guess my, my dad's mom is a convert. Um, So I guess not all the way back, but that's kind of far back.
1: Okay. How'd you meet your husband?
0: At BYU.
1: Oh, I've never, literally, you know, I've done over 400 episodes of The Cultural Hall, never heard that story before. (gasps) What? Yeah. Was was it a short courtship and uh, marriage there (laughs) subsequently thereafter?
0: (laughs) Probably shorter than out there, but probably average for members of the church. So yeah.
1: In months, (laughs) not years? (laughs)
0: Yeah, it was months, not like years. Yeah, we met at, um, we actually met at, he was in my old ward and we met at a a stake leadership meeting. And then I walked into my George Durant family history class Mm. Tuesday morning and he was sitting there and we met and the rest is history.
1: You saw his family tree and you're like, hmm. And you start drawing (laughs) like your little addition into the family tree. He's like, that's (laughs) awfully forward, Laura, but... But I'll oh, take it. that's
0: too funny. Yeah. No, he's great. We've been married 29 years, which I can't even, bel- I can hardly even say that, to be <laughs> honest, because I literally feel like I should only be 29 years old. Yeah. I just, that that's a little stressful. To uh, say and it. some
1: kids along the way, it sounds like.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got three uh, three awesome kids. They're, two of them are here at BYU and one of them is graduated. One's married. So I do technically have two eligible bachelor sons, but. They probably won't be very happy about me sharing that information.
1: <laughs> there will be pictures of them in the show notes on the, this episode. Uh, oh, good guys. I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm teasing. <laughs> uh, there won't be. Although, who knows? Maybe I'll get requests for them, and I'll have to get back in touch with you. So you let me. Might. So let me ask you this: uh, Husband goes out for software engineering, and you mentioned that you had not sort of pursued these these letters, these degrees. Uh, And then you go to your husband and is it your your family and marriage therapist first or is it the uh, certified sex therapist first?
0: Yeah, no. So, I mean, I I already had my bachelor's degree in family science, you know, and then I was raising my kids. And once my youngest went back to kindergarten, I went back and got my my master's degree in marriage and family therapy. And kind of at the same time, got all of that additional training. I mean, there's there's very few certified sex therapists, mm-hmm. and of less than less than ten in the state of Utah, and I was the only one in the state of Utah when I lived, or the state of Idaho when I lived there. And so, and, and I
1: would guess that that whittles down quite a bit when you consider uh, members of the church as well.
0: Right. Well, and it whittles down even further if if you're talking about um, members of the church that try to live by all the principles too Mm. so that's kind of another story too
1: so let me ask you this was there any hesitation on your uh husband's behalf where you're like hey i'm going to be a certified sex therapist not every couple is completely okay with that because there's perceptions or there's stigma around that what was that like as you as you come to him and say hey this is what i'd like to do
0: yeah no i mean i think he kind of already had that in 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 mind just because he knew I always wanted to be a marriage and family therapist he didn't know I was going to jump into the sex therapy focus
3: mm-hmm.
0: just um he's a really great guy and i i think he you know most of the things that i teach and all of my my three books that i have so far a lot of this is work i've been through myself so i you know we've kind of been through a lot of this process so i think for him his take is I'm really grateful for what I have and I want you to go and help other people have it too.
1: And when you say, so work that you've been through, like things that n- not necessarily that you've struggled through, but things that you I have know, yeah. worked on within your relationship.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, struggled through. Yes. You can totally put that in there. I okay. mean, you know, in the, in the introduction of my first book, I talk about, you know, the depression, postpartum depression that I went through, you know, sexual issues that were related to that, that I had no idea that I would ever have because I was pretty, you know, well versed, just having a the degree that I already had. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've been through a lot of this, creating the wheel a little bit. Uh, you know, and and just feel really passionate and mission-like to share it with other people, kind of like sharing the gospel.
1: Yeah. Uh, sh- sharing the gospel of a, a divine creation from God, which is what I hope we, we, we kind of get it credit to and people will go, well, wait a minute, but hopefully we can get into some of that because, oh, for sure. uh, you know, I, I, I genuinely do think that it is, you know, something, uh, an amazing gift given to us from yeah. God.
0: Yeah. Well, Richie, I mean, what I say is that, it, you know, sex is God's wedding gift to a husband and wife mm. and, you know, I guess my mission and, and it's in two of the subtitles of my books, is that I'm trying to help couples create sex extraordinary marriages. Yeah. You know, and that's 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 a step up from what most couples have. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might have a decent marriage, but a lot of couples don't have the sexual dimension down, and that's I think that's uh, that's sad, and I don't think it's what God intended. So we're I'm just trying to help people create what I think God intended for our sexual relationships.
1: Uh did you coin the phrase sex extraordinary because if you did, kudos I and did. if you didn't you should steal it trademark it and just uh... No,
0: it's mine. I mean, I in fact my husband and I we can't, I I think it was pure inspiration just when we were creating coming up with the title of the second book. Mm-hmm. My husband always helps me with the titles cuz I have something crazy like good girls do mm-hmm. and then that's for the first t- first title of my first book, but then we ended up, up coming up with and they were not ashamed from Genesis 224 25. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he kind of helps me soften my edges a little bit cuz I'm a little more crazy than he is. But yeah, no, that was inspiration, I think, and collaboration with him. It's awesome. It's my favorite word, Richie. Yeah. Seriously.
1: <laughs> I love it. You know, so uh, within this episode, just if, if people are kind of are, are like, well, so what are we doing here, Richie? What, what exactly yeah. is going on? I wanted to make sure that um, that people really understand and get a, a flavor of who you are. Um, sure. where you come from because the rest of the episode we're just going to sort of uh, bounce around we've got a bunch Fine. of questions that you received we've got some questions that that uh that we received from uh, various social media outlets that the cultural has the cultural hall back row the patreon group as well and uh so we'll just sort of fire questions back and yeah. forth be able to discuss them um the one thing that i would uh ask that we sort of address before we take a break and come back in the second block and start into those questions is, why is this so hard for church members to talk about sex?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's multiple reasons. In my my first book, And They Were Not Ashamed, I mean, I have a whole section on why we don't talk about sex. And some of the reasons are, we don't really know what to say. We're not very educated. So we're not very familiar or knowledgeable. So that that creates anxiety. And so there's not there's not this comfort level. There's not a confidence level. Um, sometimes we think it's too sacred to talk about. Sometimes we think we shouldn't talk about it because then it'll, you know, lead to other things. It
1: creates ideas in your head.
0: It, <laughs> and it just a lot of these things are just kind of myths and fallacies. But but it is. It is a taboo topic for people. And so part of my big mission, I mean, I, I, you know, paid for a billboard in Utah County on the freeway that just to try to change the air about sex, because when people uh, and it's super cool, too, because like KSL Studio five, they have me on every month for Mm -hmm. a little uh, segment. And it's just a matter of trying to get people intelligent confident normal seeming people talking about sex not fainting mm-hmm. not having a heart attack and and then when there's enough of us doing that it kind of spreads out to other people so that they feel like okay we can talk about this and not have a heart attack
1: what'd your billboard say
0: um d- touch is the dessert of married life and then it, it had my website one of my websites, no, I figured there was just a little bit enough there for people to sort of freak out, but not too much to make them crash.
1: Did you get complaints?
0: Nope. Oh. You know what, Richie? I don't get complaints. Huh. And if I do, I don't hear them. I mean, I really just don't get complaints. A lot of other people I hear talk about that, but, but I don't because from the very get-go for me, Richie, I knew what I was doing was God's work. Hmm. So everything that anybody has to say about it is so irrelevant to me. That I'm just, I'm doing what I know is right and good and helpful and everyone else, eh, whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, I feel confident that we should go into a break and then we'll come back and start answering some questions. How does that sound? Awesome. All right, we'll do that. Coming
4: back in the second block of the Cultural Hall. This is Kurt Frankum from Leading Saints. And I'd like to take a moment to visit the back row of the culture Hall to let you know of an incredible virtual conference we are putting together. Have you ever had a deep desire to make room for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints in your local ward and community, but don't know the first step? Or maybe you've served in a leadership position and you want to set a strong example of inclusion, but aren't quite sure where to start. In order to help, we are putting together the LGBT Saints Virtual Summit in order to help Latter-day Saints better minister to our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. We've selected more than 20 presenters who have professional experience, personal stories, and leadership perspectives who will help all of us be better prepared to minister to LGBT Latter-day Saints. This is a great conference for family, friends, and ward members of LGBTQ individuals. It begins September 8th, and you can register by texting the word LEAD to 474747 or visit LeadingSaints.org slash LGBT. Again, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit LeadingSaints.org slash LGBT.
1: Time for the second block of the Cultural Hall. Do not forget you can go to Patreon.com slash The Cultural Hall and become a Patreon saint. Now what does that mean? Well, I am going to ask every single question that Patreon Saints put forward. I can't make that promise about other people on other social media platforms. So that's one great thing. Another thing, you get to be a part of the secret but not sacred Facebook group for the Patreon Saints so you can do that as well. Uh, also you get the satisfaction of knowing that you're uh, that you're helping the cultural hall continue because things cost money. You know that. Look at what look at what you're doing. Things cost money, so uh, patreon.com slash the cultural hall. Laura, the first question is, uh, and this comes from uh, Andrew, who is asking for a friend, so it may oh, be, course. in fact, for Andrew or or for a friend. Uh, his question is, is in every uh, relationship, it seems that there is one who has greater desire than the yeah. other. How do you navigate that? Because it, there can be hurt feelings within that. Let's talk about that.
0: Yeah, that's a great. That is a perfect first question, Richie, because it's really the probably the number one issue that couples have in their sexual relationship is this this desire discrepancy. And so normally, there, it's kind of a stereotypical 80-20 split for mm-hmm. 80% of couples have the higher desire husband and the lower desire wife, and uh, 20% of marriages have a, a lower desire husband and a higher desire wife. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a lot of couples that go both ways. But I will. It's easier to kind of speak to the the majority a little bit, and so you know, the number one thing for both husband and wife in this desire discrepancy thing, this is kind of something you know. I I heard other kind of sex therapists talk about this, and I I feel like I might be a sort of unique in really truly believing that we can diminish desire discrepancies, and the reason and the way we do that is that. Men usually our higher desire men usually need to work on bridling and sexual self-mastery. That's kind of their number one challenge. But for women, kind of our lower desire wives, our number one challenge is embracing, owning, developing um you know, tuning into our sexuality because it's not something that we normally really step into and embrace. It's mm. part it's kind of part of our wholeness that we just don't dive into. And so that's kind of the biggest back underlying foundational issue for husbands and wives to work through some of those kinds of issues. And and it's doable. I mean, this is kind of, you know, I'm sort of a living testimony of that is that's what my husband and I have been able to work through. And that's what I teach in all
3: three
1: of my books. So, so, if we can dive a little bit in the uh, both what oh. the men what the men would uh, then need to do what you mean by bridling and sort of that, and the women right. as well, just briefly, I know we're not going to go nearly yeah. as deep because I do want to get a bunch of questions answered, but sure. maybe some guidance at least where yeah. people can start down that path,
0: yeah. so, I mean, like the bridling, you know, for men, that sexual self mastery, I can think about it this way. I think I might have grabbed this, but like, in my in one of my um, things that I talk about, an aces it's it's how she can want to it's how you can get go from instead of having duty sex, I want you sex. And so one of the things that that aces stands for agency, connection, and embracing your sexuality. Hmm. Well, men if they have so much need and pressure, and I need this, then guess what? The only kind of sex they can get from their wives is a form of duty sex, mercy sex obligatory sex, dead fish sex, yeah. however you want to call it. Bad,
1: okay? bad, horrible. Not fun. Yeah, not, not fun. fun. Not, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so so when they're working on just trying to kind of bridle that in, and one of the steps for a lot of men when they come into my office is they sometimes will need to even just sit down and do some process writing. This is true for both men and women, but men might even need to sit down and just write out 50. I statements, number one, I hate that she never wants sex. Number two, I hate that she never initiates. Number three, I hate that she never seems to want to. Mm. And clean out some of that sludge that makes it hard for men to get to a place where they can just kind of be more okay with what is. And the cool thing that I also teach, which we won't get into much probably, is this, is a concept called spiritual surrender. Mm. And it's kind of a little step process of walking through When you can turn your will over to God and let him kind of be in, you know, take take charge of that, the very thing that you want is more likely to actually show up. Hmm. So when you let go of something, you actually are more likely to get it. and That applies not only in that case, but think about just the agency case. If 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 you let go of needing sex from your wife so much, she finally has access to her own agency to step in to choose it hmm. and to choose you. And the number one thing what men want is they want to be wanted, sure. they want to be desired. But if women can't freely choose in or out, they can't they can't want you. Hmm. Okay, does that make sense for yeah. men? Yeah. Cover it enough for you?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so then flip into the women's side just real quick. Right.
0: So for the women, usually the number one thing they need to do is because they usually have a lot more kind of resentment and frustration that's even more overt because because they've got two things going on. They haven't really embraced their sexuality, and they're really frustrated with how much he has taken away their agency. Mm. A lot of my couples, even right now, I've got multiple couples where we're we're just doing a lot of work of trying to get her agency back. And so she also can sit down and go, number one, I hate... Sex, number two. I hate that he always wants sex, number three, and clean out some of that mental sludge as well. The the three steps that I give for women is clean out that garbage. Uh, start listening to this is my the audio book of my second book, which is <laughs> intimately, because I walk through what female sexual wholeness is in that book. And so if you're listening to this kind of in the background of their life. And their mind, it's kind of like the equivalent of, you know, how guys, I know this, you know, you'll probably relate to this, you know, how guys have almost like elevator music, sexual elevator music, mm-hmm. in the background all the time. Well, that's, that comes from their t- testosterone and women don't have that same equivalent. And so if they're just listening passively to this positive, affirming sexual information, they're able to kind of step into that realm in a very simple easy kind of a way. So that's number two. And number three for them is when they can then step in and start working on their flirtiness, that is a profound way for them to practice and own and develop and nurture their sexual self.
1: Yeah. I love right. it. Let let's move to another question. This one's okay, from this one's from Maggie. Uh she says looking for advice for an older newly married. Uh she's it's been four years since her last divorce She's kept her covenants, and she sa- she also includes the information that she is postmenopausal and getting married. So any advice for her as she engages yeah. in this new relationship?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, she'll just need to be kind of attentive to what the menopause factors are going to be, and it's going to be hard to know until she's in it. But I think, I think just a good principle for anybody going into marriage early or later is just kind of it's kind of my surrender concept again. When you just kind of expect, believe that things will be fabulous, totally don't need them to be fabulous. And then you're in a better mindset and a different state in which you can then deal with kind of whatever shows up. I mean, yeah, she may, it, it, a number one kind of issue for men, you know, postmenopausal woman is she may need to use more uh, lubrication than she did before. Fine, no big deal. Um, you know, for men too. I mean, if he's quite a bit older, He might be a little bit more nervous about, uh, performance issues. Mm -hmm. He might need to be a little bit more mentally self-contained so that he doesn't let, because the most important sex organ is your mind is your brain. Mm. And if you let a lot of that anxiety and stress and concerns get in there, that's a, that's a huge, um, anti-aphrodisiac and, and, and creates a lot of
1: problems. I like it. This one is from Anonymous, and I know that you get this question a lot, especially within (laughs) the church and especially within Utah, but no, 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 it's not okay. It's not all right. We're married. Go ahead. Go for it. Now, how do we even begin to think that we're going to be successful, happy, fulfilled, all of the things when that is what seemingly is taught within the church and within our households?
0: No, that's super funny because like one one of the titles of our of one of one of my books was going to be from no no from no 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 to go go go. <laughs> it actually ends up being this is my third book from honeymoon to happily ever after. Uh-huh. Twenty three keys to prepare for a extraordinary marriage. So it's so yes, I mean the three simplified things to help people go from the no 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 to the go 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 is number one they've got to develop a healthy healthier mindset. They need to understand that sex is a good sex is a learned behavior. It isn't something that you can just, you know, dive into and get it all right. And and this, you know, this is why I wrote this third book, is because, you know, for people, I just I'm tired of the honeymoon horror stories, Mm -hmm. to be honest. And, And then they come into my office 15, 20 years later, and we're trying to undo something that happened that first time. So, you know, that's that's a big part. So we've got to change that mindset, get it to be more of a healthy, healthy. Thoughts, positive affirming thoughts and feelings about sex. Which you can see why that's such a challenge, Richie, is because when when you have to go find this one little episode on the Cultural Hall, Hall podcast, <laughs> there are a few other others as well, thankfully. But when it's kind of hard to find just normal, healthy conversation about it, it does keep it in that ah! taboo space, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's number one. Number two, you've got to get educated. This is a learned learned skill. And so that's why that's why I've got three books, because most people won't go see a sex therapist. Most people don't have good sexual information from their parents. Most people can't find good stuff. And if you've been getting your sex education from porn, we've got a whole bunch of work to undo there. And so you've got to get educated on healthy, good, positive, affirming, godly perspectives of sex. Mm. So that's one. And when you get educated, you have confidence You have comfort. You're able to approach the subject. You come, I mean, think about Richie. I mean, it just makes me super excited to think about our young people. I mean, I have young people now going into marriage Mm -hmm. better than than most of us did, where they come in with a healthy attitude and they come in with some knowledge and they come in and have a, a, a decent, positive experience. Not a perfect one, but a decent, positive one coming into it. And then the third one is you've got to be able to talk about sex. So I heard someone say the other day, you shouldn't even be having sex if you can't talk about it. (laughs) Like if you can't talk about sex, then don't even be having it.
1: (laughs) I mean, that makes sense to me. Right. Or if you you say like the S word or things like that, I just.
0: Okay. Yeah. If you can't say sex and you have to say the S word, we've got some issues here. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's. It's not gonna fly well. And so, like, even with my daughter before she got married, you know, a couple of years ago, I mean, they, they did a they did a um, a book club amongst her roommates with one of my books, so that they could talk about it and and you know, figure out what they need to learn and stuff like that. And so it becomes just a little bit more talk aboutable, you know. You've got to have conversations whether it's roommates, your married siblings, your married friends, your hopefully your parents, but if you can't find somebody that you can have some conversation about so we can take it down I taught a class at BYU from one of my colleagues from my colleague and you know they when they wrote kind of their review after the the thing um one of them talked about how they literally were just like in a panic the whole two hours of my of my <laughs> of my workshop and she just worked talked about you know she missed never never seen anyone talk about sex say this word so many times in one hour and talk about it so freely that it was really just messing with her system hmm. and so good we need that to be different
1: so let me ask you this this is not a, a prepared question right. but something that came to mind as you talked about that as you uh your daughter goes to get married she's doing mm-hmm. that book club with her roommates and things like that uh wh- what was the relationship like with you and her to be able to talk about it Uh, as I've mentioned here in the cultural hall before. So I've got parents who are divorced, one who I could talk about anything I wanted about sex with and the other one who even to this day, I just celebrated a significant birthday that ends in a zero. And that, uh, that parent could not have a conversation about sex with me at all. How, how, how did that benefit her for you to be this open? And and what kind of things did you tell her?
0: Yeah. Great. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the fact that she was, you know, grew up with a sex therapist mom really kind of helped her out a little bit, you know, which not everybody has access to. But, you know, when you make the con- the the topic of conversation just a little bit accessible and a little bit normal. And 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 I think people are getting better at this. I mean, I'm hearing more and more stories about people that can talk to their kids and do talk to their kids. So yeah, and you know, and I had written, I think two books at that point. And so she had read, you know, for girls it's a little different than for guys because like, you know, they're just wired differently. And so I was more than happy, as soon as she was interested in those books, I was happy to let her read them. I think she may have read one before her mission and one after. Mm-hmm. So she had read that. We talked about it. One of my favorite things that I encourage um, parents to do is is we went and s- stayed at the Anniversary Inn, with, which is my favorite place, with my daughter. And we walked through any questions that she had in specifically going through knowing her intimately.
1: Not, not on to, the honeymoon, I hope you didn't go to. No, the, no, 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 oh, no, okay. no, <laughs> no, 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 Before she got married. <laughs> Listen, we got all of us a room at the anniversary <laughs> inn, and she's just oh, like Richie, too much, seriously? too far, too far. <laughs> <laughs> too
0: many people already worry about my poor kids and what they've had to like sit through and hear through. That we need to not go there with that. <laughs> but yeah,
1: it it also makes me wonder. So you have this relationship with your daughter; <laughs> she's engaged in the book and certainly knows. Uh, whether it be from offhand conversations with you or just serious sit down conversations was there Which we had. was there a, a strong want for you to sit down with your now son-in-law and and take that opportunity nope. or was that No
0: nope. no nope. I don't uh, you know I don't step outside of my own business okay. that's something I really teach my own clients a lot as well and so you know I knew that she was well prepared I knew that she was actually you know, kind of sharing information with him as well. I knew that whatever they were going to go through was going to be perfectly fine Mm -hmm. and perfect for them because God's in charge of everything, remember? So all the details are already pre-worked out. That's why surrender works so well is you can just trust that whatever is going to happen is perfect in his divine scheme of things. And so just the fact that I knew we had you know, healthy conversation about it. I knew she knew all of the important things that most people don't know. I was on another podcast. And they said, how many, what percentage of people do you think know what they need to know about sex? And I said, if they haven't read this particular book, Knowing Her Intimately, then not many, like mm-hmm. maybe 97% of people don't know enough because if you don't know male-female sexual wiring differences that I list out in there, 18 of them. If you don't know the 12 Ts of female sexual wholeness, which I list out in there as well, then then you don't even have a clue really what you need to know kind of stuff. And so I knew she had that and we could talk about it. And I knew she could talk about it, that I knew whatever was needed. She and her husband could walk through the rest of the book together if they needed to.
1: Another question. uh, This one from Anonymous. Anonymous sent a lot of emails. uh, Oh, yeah. totally. uh, Especially when we have episodes like this. Uh, hey,
0: we get to talk about sex. I forgot to even say, Richie, I start all of my, my own podcasts on the Marital Intimacy Show with, we get to talk about sex today. How <laughs> fun is that? <laughs> because that's what we get to do. Yeah, and,
1: and, and I appreciate how straightforward you are with it. I People within the cultural hall have given me a little bit of a hard time because sometimes to navigate and talk about these things is a little harder uh, for me, for whatever reason. I don't know. Sometimes it's just the no mood that deal. I'm in. Sometimes no it's, you know, the person of which I, uh, I'm engaging, uh, whatever. So I, yep. I appreciate how comfortable you've made it for me so far as yep. a host. Uh, let's see yep. if we yep, can't yep, we make can. both of us a little bit more uncomfortable, shall we? <laughs> uh, th- this <laughs> sure. this question from Anonymous says, uh, I'm told that being able to get to know my body is going to help me be more easily satisfied. But mm-hmm. I I delicately balance that because of things taught with like masturbation or mm-hmm. you know some of those self-stimulating things. So where where does the church stand? Where should I stand and what is okay?
0: Yeah, I mean one of the the most common questions probably that I think I get although a lot of people have kind of learned my answers they stop asking as much but a lot of the what's okay what isn't questions mm-hmm. there really is I really do think the church is not trying to be in anybody's bedroom. I think they've not I think they've been trying to stay out of people's bedroom for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think people miss overread stuff that people say or don't say. So, I mean, I think that you know, I I've written a whole section, a whole I haven't published it anywhere yet cuz it's probably going in the husband book, but um a whole section on kind of this sexual self mastery and, and and walking through all of the scriptures that we have and what those kind of teach and and you know stuff like that about what i think the lord probably had in mind with this self mastery stuff but but i do think particularly for women and i actually had this in my first book um and they were not ashamed uh, a little section that i called self learning
3: mm-hmm.
0: and i was very clear in my, in my opinion, uh, very clear the difference between masturbation and the difference between self learning. So think about this, Richie. I mean, boys have sort of been touching themselves since they can remember.
1: Yeah. Even before I can remember, I think that Even before. my mom was like, what, what are you doing? I don't know. What are you Where's doing? It? I got this cool toy. There's this. Sorry. Right.
0: And yet, and think about that in comparison to a female we don't we don't do that as much we're not that's not our wiring as much and i don't see that as a big cultural shame thing i think that's just a natural difference in testosterone versus not as much t- testosterone so women are not as familiar with their their sexual body parts they don't even kind of know where some of them are because they're kind of hidden and so i do think there is room for women to figure some of that out. But let me backtrack for a second. I I actually, given how much I've worked with couples on this, a lot of couples can figure this stuff out. If they do those things that I talk about in the honeymoon book Mm -hmm. and just come into marriage better prepared, that that that's the whole point of a honeymoon and a sexual relationship throughout an eternity of marriage is you figure stuff out together. The only reason why I added it into my first book is because I was using it in the story of a woman who hadn't had an orgasm after 17 years of marriage Mm. and had already tried everything else. I mean, can you imagine being a husband and going 17 years before having a climax?
1: Yeah. No, No. No, I cannot.
0: No, no. That would just be unacceptable on so many levels. But for women, that's a pretty common thing. A third of all women do not regularly have an orgasm. And, and it's not as mandatory for women as it is for men, but still that's kind of not a, okay, that's not what God intended. Sure. So I say, yes, you can go figure some things out because it takes away a lot of that performance pressure, takes away all of the anxiety that's been built up around it. It takes away the relationship difficulties that have accumulated over 17 years. So yeah, go see if you can figure out, because one of the big things with, Couples, women not having an orgasm, is they often haven't figured out the clitoral stimulation that's needed, because that's kind of an equivalent to the penis st- stimulation. You kind of can't go without that. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. And so when couples aren't aware of that, or are not um, tuned into that, or haven't figured out what she needs there, or she hasn't even given herself permission to sort of, you know, step into pleasure, and and a lot of these things that I that I teach in the embracing you know sexuality then yeah, she might need to go figure that out on her side. And to me, this is a short-term little go figure something out and then come back to the bedroom and here we go. Let's now, here, honey, here's how you can apply it or here's how we're going to apply it. I mean, people can figure out whatever works for them. I just, it's it's not mandatory for women to masturbate mm-hmm. in the masturbation sense of the word. They can, I definitely think before marriage, they at least need to get a mirror and figure out what's where figure out where the clitoris is, figure out where the vagina is, figure out where the ureth- urethra is. You know, they need to know where the different things are so that they understand what's what, or they are going to have a hard time making sure their husband on a honeymoon, for example, knows what kind of stimulation, but when they can figure it out either together or on her own, what kind of stimulation does she need? Literally, you know, w- how much pressure, you know, stuff like that. So there is, there is some, some need, some value given The context
1: i've given so so within that for those that really struggle that like the even the idea of of like looking and they would use terms like down there you know for for so many i think that 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 is an issue right they they haven't ever they wouldn't even know how to engage they feel like there's something wrong the the emotional or sort of mental stigma that's like yeah the mental block about it like how do you Mm -hmm. advise those clients of yours to 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 push through that or to get their find their way through it
0: Yeah, for sure. And you see why this is such a, why one of my easy go-tos is almost always getting women into this book in an audio form. Mm -hmm. Again, we're just trying to get normalizing sexuality we're trying to make it a little bit more of an accessible thing and and so then when they either you know see me conversating about it very comfortably that's a huge factor people i mean you can go to a lot of marriage counselors and they are not as comfortable talking about sex as a sex therapist is because they don't do it as much Mm -hmm. so just creating that environment for i mean people tell me all the time the same thing you just said Laura, I mean, I was mortified even thinking about coming in here, but within the first two minutes, it's like, oh, this is no big deal. Okay, let's talk about this. And, and that alone over time helps to shift her as well. But I go with where people are. I don't push. If somebody does not want to go towards self-learning, no problem. We will figure it out another way. I will help the husband to be more uh, gentle, slow, Uh, deal with his own pressure issues so that he's not bringing them into the bedroom. And we'll deal with it another way. We don't have to do that. We can always find another
1: way. Uh, Another question Uh, again, anonymous, which is bizarre, but uh, (laughs) how, how, how how much sex is average? How (laughs) many, how many times a week should we be having sex?
0: Boy, that's a common question. That's probably the next most common question I get. So two parts. My first part to the answer to this question is I don't like to even answer this.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I, because most of the time I've, we've got to think about what's your motive in getting a number. Sure. Okay?
1: You want to weaponize it so you make the other person feel guilty. I know why. Right. What's the number, Laura? Yeah.
0: Give me a number so I can beat my wife up, up about it. Or so, husband. Or the husband. You're right. So that I can kind of beat up my spouse about it and say, look, we're supposed to be doing this. That's what that sex therapist said. Mm-hmm. You know, and And that's not helpful. not healthy so that's the first thought is if you're going to use this number to beat your spouse up with it don't listen turn on put it on mute for the next 30 seconds for everyone else that is just looking for information and is not going to use it against their spouse the current the research that i've looked at most recently says that the happiest couples which is my focus i'm trying to create healthy sexuality the happiest couple's have sex between one to three times a week. As a sex therapist myself, Richie, I'm going to be a little bit concerned if we're having sex less than once a week. That would be my minimum that I would put. And again, if, if any of the one to three times that we're having sex is any kind of duty sex or pressured sex, it's not helping. So it's actually doing more damage kind of thing. So that's healthy sexuality, healthy connection, connected sex. I want you, you know, connected sex at least.
1: And does it have to be intercourse when we talk about that? Or can it can it be other things like moments of sexual intimacy would fall into that? Or are we talking like sure. tried and true? Sure.
0: Yeah, not very many couples are probably being sexual without having sex mm-hmm. unless it's kind of like assigned. Like I do assign stuff like that, but, but most couples don't naturally do that. But but what I think does happen for a lot of couples, which is is fine, is I'm looking for maybe at least one good kind, like a good gourmet kind of sex or a mutually fulfilling kind of sex. And maybe the other two times could even be quickies if they are gift quickies, not, oh, hurry, are you done yet quickies? Hmm. Okay. So that's kind of another
1: angle to think about uh a couple of questions one of these from yours that i i particularly enjoyed that uh i know certainly um occurs within the church where we have mm-hmm. women who have a kid or 10 and they maybe don't love the way that they look and so you know they want lights off or they you know they don't want to be seen they like the the connection from it but you know there there removes a lot of the the physical um stimulation that, that, a, that a guy would care for. How can men reassure their women that they're still sexy? How can we help that be comfortable? Because some of it yeah. is a visual thing for men.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now that's great, Richie. A whole bunch of really good points in this one. Number, number one, men are visual. That is an important part. That's something I'm working on in the husband book that I'm working on, is just a lot of women our number one issue when it comes to our thoughts is body image issues. That is probably the number one mental thing that, that women get stuck stuck behind. And, and I I have this uh, phrase or quote that sexy is a state of mind. It's a feeling that says, I like who I am, I like my body, and I'm happy to share it with you. Hmm. And so if a woman is having trouble with how she looks or how she thinks she looks or how she thinks her husband thinks about how she looks, That's all stuff that that a woman needs to kind of be working through so that she's not kind of, you know, dependent on his validation of that. But more importantly than that, because I more more frequently, it's husbands that are very, um, very affirming, very complimentary, very think their wives look super great and super sexy. But it's the woman that does not believe it. And Mm -hmm. so it doesn't really matter what the husband says at, at that point. It's her beliefs that trump everything. And so we do have to kind of do, that's why, you know, knowing her intimately, you know, this book, the 12 areas that we're going through is transforming your sexual identity is number one. Number two is thoughts. That's how big of a deal it is. Three is tenderness. Four is, uh, let me see if I can remember well. all, uh, time, transition, talk, touch, technique, tuned in, teasing, treats, transcendence, and surrender. So way at the top of our list is thoughts. Mm. And so that's why women have got to work through body image issues so that they can relax and let go, because again, they're not going to be able to have an orgasm if they can't let go and be fully present and fully engaged, because that climax is an involuntary response that you almost have to relax into, not be oh, what's he thinking about me? And what's, uh, I'm so fat and I hate my cellulite. So they kind of have to work on that too.
1: So uh, one more question, then I think we'll take a break and go into the third block of the cultural hall where yeah. we'll answer more questions. Oh, we, we'll get there, everybody. We'll get to some <laughs> of these other ones. Uh, th- the third question being, if we are uh, being intimate with our partner and we feel like they could do something better to help us be... Uh, you know, to be pleasured, that, that, that can be a very sensitive, uh, maybe pun intended, maybe not, um, topic (laughs) as we navigate that because it can be a quick road to hurt feelings. Oh yeah. So how do we navigate that with our partner? Oh yeah.
0: Okay. Number one, Richie, do not have that conversation during lovemaking.
1: (laughs) Hey, uh, you know, right. Well, let's just pause real quick. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So wait a different time.
0: Different time. So number one, different time. Okay. That's, it's just not a great time to have any kind of uh, direct, don't do that or do do that kind of, or don't do that kind of conversations in the midst of lovemaking. You certainly can be like, mm, I love that. Or, Ooh, I love that. Or do more of that. Any positive reinforcement is, is, is a okay. Any negative Not so much. Hold that thought, share it later. So, and this is, this is also why in, you know, one of my exercises in my book is a, is a concept called brakes and accelerators. And so both husband and wife are walking through, okay, these are all things that kind of are turn offs for me. Okay. And then these are all the things that are turn-ons for me. I really like it when you do this. And I really like it when you do this. And I loved it when you did this. I didn't even know I liked that, (laughs) but I really liked that. And I really didn't like it when you did that. So don't do that again. But I didn't want to say anything, but don't, yeah, don't do that again. So that's an after sex conversation, probably even a later, like the next day conversation or on date night kind of conversation, not something that you have right in the midst of that, or sex becomes too much of a a performance thing. And that is not what we're sex is about connecting and tuning into pleasure and enjoying each other's company and enjoyment and the the passion that is there, not about whether we had an orgasm or whether we did this or whether we did that. If you have any of that kind of thinking, it's going to be counterproductive.
1: Hmm. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back in the third block and continue to ask questions with Laura Mm, Brotherson.
2: When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Hey, this is Dan the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. It's our ultra-mega back-to-school blowout sale. We have hundreds of thousands of dollars of ultra-high-quality laptops and desktops on sale for up to 50% off the original prices. We've got demos, scratch-and-dents, trade-ins, and funny-colored computers. It's crazy! Remember, you get a lifetime service guarantee on any PC Laptops brand computer. That means if you mess up your windows or you get a virus or spyware, it's covered forever. Got an old yucky computer? No problem. We'll take it in on trade and we'll transfer all your pictures, music, and all your stuff to your PC Laptops computer for free. When you get your computer from PC Laptops, we'll make sure you're taken care of for a lifetime. To make it impossible to resist, we're doing 12-month special financing on any PC Laptops desktop or laptop computer. Have I lost my mind? Get into any one of our locations right now or check us out at PCLaptops.com. PC laptops, where computers start at 7.99. PC laptops, we love you.
1: It's time for the third block of the Cultural Hall. I queued it up earlier, but if you want to be a part of some online conversations, you can go to uh, facebook.com slash the Cultural Hall back row. That's essentially super fans of the Cultural Hall. We talk about... Uh, various links and things that are sort of side tangents to each of the episodes. It's like-minded folks all talking about uh, your favorite show available in podcast form. You can find it on Facebook or a link in the show notes for this episode for the Cultural Hall back row. Laura, uh, infidelity, affairs, that's something that happens, especially with uh, social media, uh, especially people being able to connect and those things. Um, One of the most intimate things that we can do is um, is have sex with, with our yeah. partner. And when we yeah. have someone who has done that with someone else, that becomes really hard. People do it. I don't understand how. How, how, what, when, what do we... Someone comes and says, listen, he's been you know, infidelitous. What do you do? What do you say?
0: And are you asking about uh, what do we do with the infidelity? Yeah. Or What yeah. are we doing with
1: sex? So, he's, so he said, he said, or she said, listen, I'm sorry, but everything intimate has shut down because of that infidelity.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that is such a painful thing. Boy, if I could, if I could help people understand that whatever three minutes of pleasure they think they're getting elsewhere is so painful to repair and to restore that it's just really not worth it. And, you know, and and maybe just a little bit of context is because I thought we might talk about this. I have something called the infidelity formula Mm -hmm. and just a, a, a concept of, and it, this can happen to anybody because if you've got vulnerability plus opportunity and one dumb decision, you're now on a slippery slope that it can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of a little bit of backstory for infidelity. But in this case with this, this couple, you know, you're, we're just going to have to do a lot of kind of repair work. We're going to have to be doing some healing of the betrayal the the pain of that healing, you know, and 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 it's almost like there's three phases of re- of recovery from affairs and infidelity, you know, and so that first phase is just a really painful one where where it, sex can actually kind of go either way too with that. Sometimes it's just like there is no sex is not an option. I can't even even barely look at you, much less have sex with you kind of thing. And then the other reverse is it's the hottest passionate sex you've ever had because there's almost kind of a fear-based passion involved there. Mm -hmm. And so neither of those are really great. We kind of need to work through that a little bit, but as you kind of can heal through that, you're then able to maybe even move into another phase where we can actually dig in and figure out how did we get here? What happened? Where, what, where did we go wrong? Because, you know, I'm a big fan of my, my number one concept in, common concepts in counseling with couples one of my handouts one of my articles is that the only person you can change is yourself mm-hmm. and so you know even in infidelity and affair yes there's a lot of betrayal for the betrayed spouse but we have to look at the whole the whole package the whole relationship and try to work through that and then then you know working sex back into it it, it that's going to be so case by case basis based on the individuals and the and the the people
1: involved. Yeah. Uh, just a follow up question. And this is for me personally, you mentioned yeah. um, three minutes of a dumb decision. The question I would have is what are you doing for the other two minutes and 15 seconds then?
3: <laughs> oh, Reggie.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'll be here all week. All right. So uh, <laughs> uh, another another question. Um,
0: hey, I thought Richie, I thought it was very nice of me to give give three minutes yeah, for that. Yeah,
1: you yeah. thank you. The grace so you of go. three minutes. I appreciate that.
0: Uh, <laughs> and by the way, three minutes is not enough for the good kind of sex. Oh, Just no everyone is clear. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, the therapist said three minutes, babe. I'm sorry. Three minutes. And, <laughs> and that was, you know, from a certified, oh, she had a certification Certified uh, within that. <laughs> what about, um, what about for, for women? This is probably a more of a woman thing than a man thing, but, uh, okay. you know, they have young kids, so they're super touched and they're just like, oh man, I am, Ugh. I am sensory overload. And now you're um, wanting this too. Gosh. Yes. How do we work through oh. that?
0: Yes, I remember that stage so very well. Um, That's a tough one too, you know, because it's really, it's a tough phase when you've got a bunch of littles around clamoring for you all the time and you do get kind of touched out. Mm -hmm. And yet the thing is that it's so important. If you want to have an awesome marriage, you've got to figure out a way to make your marriage super important, even while your kids are, it can take 24 seven plus of your time energy and and, and attention so a, a couple things number one i uh, the license plate on my car is date night that <laughs> is like an un, non-negotiable for any couple that wants to have a close and connected relationship so even if you've got a lot of littles i i don't care how much it costs to get a babysitter or whatever you go out and you have a date night and you get away once a week Minimum, if you possibly, possibly can, and even if it's just putting kids to bed and then having a little time together after. But again, I already hear the the young mom saying, "Laura, I'll be asleep by the time he, you know, closes the door and locks it." You know,
1: is it (laughs) quiet? I'm gone.
0: I'm gone. I'm out. But the other thing that my husband did that was super awesome is um, every every Thursday night from six o'clock on, I was off duty. So like I could go to my bedroom and read, I could go to the church parking lot and process right, which I did a ton of, I could go watch a movie by myself, I had a little bit of downtime so that I could refuel, rebreathe, recuperate, you know, and I only have three kids. So I mean, you know, but you know, I also had postpartum depression. So I mean, you just you just kind of be creative and smart about figuring out what you need in order to. You know, get gets your your needs met and your sanity in in place. And a lot of times too, Richie, this is where people need healthy boundaries. This is where they, you know, in in that kind of phase. I've had a lot of conversations with young moms where I'm like, okay, what can we cut back on? What is one thing that we could pull back from? Can you resign from PTA president while you have a brand new baby number five? Mm-hmm. Can you? Uh, can you pull back on a calling? Can you pull back? You know, people are going to like be fainting in the aisles right there.
1: You can't say no to a calling. Ah,
0: <laughs> heresy. Except, except if you're trying to stay sane. So, you know, I, I personally had the experience of having to say no to a calling while I was trying to stay sane. Um, and so, yeah, you just, this is kind of a concept of differentiation where it's it's, it's a concept of differentiation. It's also a concept of, God reliance instead of human reliance. And so when you and God are kind of on the right page, on the same page together, it's kind of what I said before. It sort of doesn't matter what all the humans around you think, because you and God and and your spouse hopefully know what you're doing and you know that it's the right thing to be doing.
1: You know, before we even started, I knew we weren't going to have enough time with you. So I'm hoping... Uh, that we can have you come back and be able to do essentially what we've done tonight, except that we can get to more uh, folks' questions. If you guys have questions that you want to send to us, it's contact at theculturalhall.com. You can put sextraordinary extraordinary question in the subject line. That way I'll know to put it in the right folder (laughs) for when Laura comes back in the future. Again, that's contact at theculturalhall.com. The last question I want to ask you, though, today, before we get to the questions we ask everyone who comes on, um, okay. is another one from, you guessed it, Anne Anonymous. Anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the question is about pornography, about right. bringing pornography as a way to get both aroused, to be able to in, in, enjoy, indulge, uh, kind of reach that that level of excitement about sexually engaging the partner. Certainly we know how the church feels about pornography, sure. but when we bring it into sure. the bedroom as far as this, would you weigh in?
0: Yeah, I definitely can weigh in, you know, remember my other specialty is, is sex addiction, sexual compulsive behavior. So, I mean, for me, you know, porn is like the hugest, worst sex educator ever. And so, you know, part of that concept alone is just that whatever you're watching does have a tendency. It's kind of the same with, even with chick flicks. If you overwatch chick flicks too, you know, that you're teaching your brain stuff that just real humans are not going to be able to match.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so that's kind of even one concept. I I just know how easy it is to get, um, it's such a, it, you know, sex is like our most incredible, wow, mind-blowing experience on this earth. And so it's kind of like not a, sort of a no-brainer for me that it's a little risky as far as getting addicted to it because it's such a, a big high. And it's such a counterfeit that, you know, I know I've had a lot of couples where they, you know, maybe have wanted to to bring that in. Usually, the wives, especially, are kind of like, Ugh, "That's it's kind of a a, a cringe factor." Involved. Well, uh, well, I
1: think it 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 brings very much to the forefront the the insecurities, right? Because you think of the women oh, of sure. porn, and that is not your mother of five children. Like there, right. I mean, there may be that particular type of pornography, but that right. is typically not the women that would right. be a part of pornography.
0: Yeah, that's another great concept, even too, which is just, you know, that the comparison women are already their mind is already your biggest enemy with when it comes to healthy, great sex. Anyway, mm-hmm. that boy adding in that comparison factor is is tough. I mean, I, I have enough couples that struggle just where he he has been involved in pornography in the past and she's trying to grapple with that mental thinking thought process of. Is he comparing me to that? I don't look like that. I, I'm not this. I'm not that. And so she's already got a lot of mental distractions around that, anyway. That that's really not helpful. And even when it comes to arousal, it's it's such a counterfeit kind of arousal. Even if even if a woman is like struggling with arousal and struggling with desire, that that really is just it's it's not God God's way of of doing this. There's so much. I, I had an argument with the client just a couple of weeks ago, and he's like. Horn is so great. It's wonderful. It's good. It's helpful. And I'm like, dude, it's the worst possible helper if you even are putting it in a box of being a helper. So, I mean, there's just other better ways to go for first, in my opinion, because of all the risks involved as well.
1: All right. It's come to the point where we ask you the three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. Uh, the first all question right. is: is, do you have a calling? And if so, what is it?
0: Yes, I have a calling, and it's my favorite calling, and it is Gospel Doctrine Teacher. Come Follow Me program. I love it.
1: Now, have you, you probably have not been because we both live in Utah during the quarantine. So, church has just been all home stuff. You haven't had yeah, the opportunity all to do home that. Stuff.
0: Yeah. If I've you, had a calling for a long time, though. So, it's, I've been doing it for quite a while. So,
1: if you could it. pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick?
0: Okay. I totally would make one up because my favorite calling made up calling would be ward greeter. Although I actually did get to do that once. Uh I love people. I love to make people feel welcome. I hate the thought of anybody being at church, not being noticed, not being welcomed, not being, you know, someone caring about them. So I would love to be the ward
3: greeter.
1: But it's going to be a a harder calling post pandemic. can you <laughs> hug? Can we not hug? Do I need to wear a mask? Can I shake a hand? What's that going to be like? So you may have just. I'll just
0: have a whole box of the glo- latex gloves. So I'll shake hands, and then I'll pull it off and put another one on yep. and shake hands. Listen,
1: I'm Work. I'm on board. I'm on board. Okay. You get the there Relief Society to make some, uh, you know, reusable gloves. So you just have a hundred yes. pairs of gloves. Then you throw them in the washer every week. Yes. Uh The last question that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall: interpret it however you would like. The question sure. remains what is your favorite part of your faith?
0: Oh wow, holy cow, that's a big question. Um my favorite part of my faith I think is my personal relationship with my savior because you know I I'm a big fan of a little bit of meditation and mindfulness practice because I think it's kind of takes prayer and Communing with God to another level. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I kind of get to go be with God every time I meditate for even a few minutes. And, and so he feels like a friend to me. And he feels like this is, you know, this is why I really believe that if people can get that down, that relationship down, they kind of can become unstoppable. And they have this divine armor that I think really makes life so much more doable because you've got this one divine source in your corner that everything else is just irrelevant
1: i love it uh now laura has given us a, a very exclusive offer for the cultural oh, hall yes. uh, you can find the link in the show notes for this episode or if you go to strengtheningmarriage.com forward slash store you can get the book knowing her intimately the 12 mm-hmm. key for creating a extraordinary marriage You can get it for just $10 and you use our keyword, all one word, back row. So use the keyword back row. uh, Use that at the link. We'll have all that uh, information in the show notes so that you can be able to check that out. A great gift, I would imagine, for those that are getting engaged, um, those that are married, uh, those that have been married for 29 years, something for everybody to learn uh, within those books. Um, Again, contact at theculturalhall.com if you want to key up some great questions for when we get Laura to come back. You have been great. So I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall.
4: Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really got to go to call show.